The Queen's Jewish Link presents the Jewish Living Podcast, the show that examines the many facets of Orthodox Jewish life. Here's your host, Izzo Zwerin. If you have ever been in a situation where you or someone you know has needed a bone marrow transplant, it is more than likely that you're familiar with Ezer Mitzion. Ezer Mitzion is the largest Jewish bone marrow donor registry in the world and have helped to serve an insane number of patients throughout its 20-year history. It's always nice to hear about the good work an organization does, and that is why we invited on this week's guest. Hi, I'm Hadassah Samosi, Director of Resource Development at Ezer Mitzion. Hadassah will discuss all things Ezer Mitzion, including more than one way that you can get involved. Hadassah, thank you so much for joining me this week. Um, first of all, let's get a little bit of a history about Azer Mitzion. Uh, for those of us who don't know what it is, uh, what is Azer Mitzion? What do they do and how did it start? Thank you for having me. It's really an honor to represent such a, um, an important organization here in Israel. I'm talking to you from Israel. Um, what is Azer Mitzion? Azer Mitzion in Israel is a household word. Ezimitzion in Israel is one of Israel's largest and best known health support organizations. It's really a mega organization. It was founded in 1978 by Hanania Cholak, who really had, who is our international uh, chairman today. But at the time he had no intention whatsoever of, uh, of creating such a big organization. He just went out there to help people to do chesed, to help people who are facing health challenges. And that came from a personal experience where he, his father-in-law was hospitalized in a very unexpected way, very shortly after his own wedding, Hananya's wedding. And, um, and he saw what goes on with patients and the help the families need. And so he started with eight neighbors, started cooking meals to send to hospital companions to provide meals for people who are left at home. Let's say there was a, a child there hospitalized and his parents were with him and there, there were other children at home needed food. I mean, there was no one provided. And then he got some volunteers to come and replace parents who needed to go home, uh, needed just a break from being with their kids in the hospital and so on. And then it just, um, through the years, ever since then has grown and grown and grown to a mega, very, very highly professional organization that's covering a huge sector of Israel's population and beyond. Um, I think for service provision, we have over we serve over seven hundred thousand people in the course of every year. Wow! And it just keeps growing. Yeah. So let me ask you: Who are your clients? Who do you serve? And I, I know that Izumitzion is a huge organization. And today, and for the purposes of this conversation, we're going to be focusing on a on a small section of what Izumitzion does. But if you can give everybody just an overall view of who does Izumitzion serve. Like, what are the divisions of it? And then we'll focus more specifically on, on, on the reason that we're here today. Okay, thank you. So I would say, and that's a very good approach, I would say that the main target populations would be um, beginning from children with special needs all the way across the spectrum to the elderly, to our geriatric services department. Um, following that, I would say our mental health rehabilitation services division. Um, and then our cancer support services, which includes our bone marrow donor registry and all these support services. Um, and then I would say, well, listen, 
we also serve just anyone who is facing any type of a health challenge or crisis. And we have a huge range, a wide range of auxiliary services, which includes free medical referrals, advocacy and entitlements insurance unit, food distribution services, free ambulance transport, volunteer car transport, and medical and rehab equipment loan also for adults and also for pediatric rehab. So uh, it's a huge spectrum and we're dealing like you could imagine with a lot, a lot, a lot of people in many different cases. Right, so it's really grown into something that, that's way more than, than even you might've thought of that this organization could have done, like even in, forget the beginning stages, maybe, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, it, 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 it just exploded. Correct. Well, it absolutely exploded. And I'll tell you personally, I'm working in resource development here. I, I many times feel that it is my biggest challenge is keeping up with everything that is going on in this huge organization. It's really like working for 10 organizations. Wow. It's, it's every different department, every different service has its own is like a, it's it would be like a separate organization so the last question i have before we get into the bone marrow registry which is the the primary point of this conversation uh how did you get involved with Izumitzion? how did i get involved well actually the truth is that our international chairman he always says everybody in israel is ultimately going to have to come or is going to reach Izumitzion. you choose how you want to come on the giving side or on the receiving end. And he told that to me when I was a mother with young children and um, as a native English speaker here in Israel, working in fundraising and working in, in, in offices, um, he asked me for some help in the, in the fundraising as a volunteer. And I said, of course, I'm gonna help you. I, I wanna help you. I wanna be part of Ismitzion because I know um, the important things that you're doing. And then along the line, and I was, I was volunteering here and there just with helpful, just being a little bit helpful. And, and then the, the, the coin flipped and I needed help. So I, I switched from coming to Ismitzion on the giving end to coming to Ismitzion on the receiving end. And then I experienced what it's like but that was very mild. And then, um, and then it, Baruch Hashem, it passed, it went over. And then about 20 years ago, they turned to me and they said, now we really need you on board. Please join us, but not as a volunteer. And I've been, been here ever since. Phenomenal. Wow. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the bone marrow registry part of this. So first of all, overall question, how does the bone marrow registry work? How does the bone marrow registry work? Well, <laughs> I think that I think in order to understand how the registry works, let's talk about what bone marrow transplants are and who needs them. Okay. So bone marrow transplants are, um, are a misnomer. They're not bone marrow transplants. They are actually stem cell transplants. And who needs a stem cell transplant? Stem cell transplants are a therapy protocol for people who have about 100 different types of blood illnesses and today it's used as a cutting edge therapy for autoimmune diseases. Now, in order for a stem cell transplant to be successful, the patient, the recipient, and the donor have to have precise genetic matching, mm -hmm. exact matching. Now, about 25%, this is an international statistic, about 25% of the patients who need a stem cell transplant will find it among 
their immediate family, which means only siblings. That's how it works. You can't get from your parents, you can get from your siblings because they share the genetic, whatever the parents give, the markers, the genetic markers. But that's only 25%. Now, that's only 25%. So, and all around the world, there are about 75% of people who need a stem cell transplant and they will not find it among their immediate family. So this happened all over the world as soon as stem cell transplants came into being um, a therapy option and so many people were not finding donors among the family members that, that different medical centers started opening up um, registries, like a bank of potential donors who could possibly be a genetic match for a patient who needs a stem cell transplant. Now, I want to tell you something, as much as we simplify it and make it sound easy and wow, you know, it's really... A stem cell transplant is a very serious, heavy-duty medical procedure. Not all patients can undergo it. It's, it takes a very, very um, rigorous preparation, and the recovery is, is really, really not simple. But, but with Hashem's help, people who have it can really come back to the land of living. Um, so for many of these patients... A stem cell transplant is the last hope of survival, meaning that the doctors have tried everything else, and this is the only option left. So imagine this. You have a patient. The only therapy option left is a stem cell transplant. They don't have a matching donor in their family, and they're looking for an unrelated matching donor in registries around the world. When a, when a, when a transplant team come to a patient and tell him, we looked everywhere and we could not find a match for you anywhere. That is basically, they're telling them what? You have a death sentence. We have mm. no solution for you. You have no, there's, you can go home and die. And that's basically it. Now, the, the um, transplant happens with a matching patient which is genetic matching. And, and I, I don't want to get into anything that sounds discriminatory, but genetic matching is very closely related to the ethnic community that you come from. And especially so for Jews, because through the generations, the Jewish nation has lived in segregated separate communities. So, um, so much so that when you have an Ashkenazi Jew, his genetic makeup will match usually another Ashkenazi Jew. But a Sephardi, a Sephardic Jew will have to look for somebody who was from his ethnic community, meaning the likelihood of a Moroccan Jew for finding a match in the Tamani, in the Yemenite community, is very minimal. He will most likely find a match within his own ethnic community. So at the risk of sounding racist, and please forgive me, I don't mean anything, but you know something? Jewish Jewish patients around the world before 1998 had a minimal, minimal um, likelihood of finding a match anywhere in registries, anywhere around the world, because there were very few Jewish donors registered. So here in Israel, because Ezmetion is dealing in cancer support, and, and um, we, we saw a lot of our patients were dying, and we were asking, the, our teams, our support teams were asking, what happened? Why are so many of these patients not surviving? And when Hanani Chalak heard that what they need is a matching donor, he said, let's 
open a registry, a stem cell registry, or what they call a bone marrow registry. And that's what happened. So in 1998, Ezimitzion, under the supervision of Ministry of Health, and at the time was, was called Bone Marrow Donors Worldwide, we got certification and we opened up a registry. Now, a registry doesn't serve only its local population. A registry that's certified and is recognized by international, the international um, standard bearers of registries serves transplant patients all over the world. So in Asimitzion today, we work with transplant centers in over 40 countries who are looking for matches for their patients. And you understand that who are the people who are gonna be matching our registered donors? Izo, tell me, where did they come from? They come from all different types of countries and all different types of backgrounds, I'm guessing. All different types of countries, all different types of backgrounds. What's their ethnic origin going to be? So the ones if for, most of our, they're going to be of a Jewish gonna, ethnicity. Right. And that's where we're, that's where the match is going to happen. So as we see on today, um, we've constantly grown. We're very dedicated to this because there's still a very large percentage, as big as we are, we are there's still a very large percentage of patients who are not finding matches. Right. And we'll get into that soon. But um, initially, do you have any questions? Well, well I, I'm still waiting to see how the registry works, but I'm, I'm, I'm loving this background. Oh, how does the registry work? Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we, what used to happen was we would advertise, we would have a patient who needs a match. We would go out there and we would say, we have a patient. Um, they come from this type of an ethnicity. You belong to that community. The likelihood of finding a match for this patient will be somebody from their ethnic community. If you belong to the Ashkenazi community, the Moroccan community, you're an Iraqi, you're a Taimani, a, 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 a Yemenite, please join the registry. And people would come by the droves until we had 100,000 members and then 200,000 members and 300,000 members. In 2005, Ezimitzion signed an agreement with the IDF, with the Israel Defense Forces. And this is an amazing, we call it the life-saving partnership, where every IDF recruit is given the opportunity as part of their induction into the army to join Ezimitzion's registry and to become part of a life-saving force. The, um, the army is very proud of this, of this collaboration. And um, the president of Israel spoke about it. He had a, an event in his home honoring the first thousand IDF soldiers who donated stem cells and saved lives. And he said, this collaboration has, has, has catapulted the Israeli army for being an army that protects its, its borders and its local citizens to being an army that saves Jewish people all over the world. It's really a, it's a protector of the Jewish nation everywhere. All right, so um, now, how does the registry work? There we go, right? we're, we're gonna get there. Okay, so if you're between the ages of 18 and 45, you're in good general health and you've never joined a registry anywhere in the world, you are welcome and invited to join Ezimitzion's stem cell registry or bone marrow registry. Usually that's the, we do that in Israel. We don't actively canvas because today we have through the arrangement with the army, we have over, last year we had 57,000 people joining the registry in 2020. 
Um, and most of them were through the IDF arrangement. And they cover a very, the broad range of ethnic communities. They cover also a broad range of the ethnic combinations because we have inter-community um, weddings, marriages, which have created new genetic combinations. And, um, and, and we're, we're, thank God, we're, we're really, really, really doing very well in providing um, a response for cancer patients everywhere and also for patients of autoimmune disease. What is joining the registry? It's a cheek swab. It's like brushing your teeth with your mother looking. Both sides, first you do one side, you swab your cheek with a very, a very soft swab, you put it into the sterile envelope, you take out the other one, you do your other cheek, you put it in, it gets barcoded, you fill out a form, and you can forget about it until Esmixio calls you and tells you, hi, Iso, <laughs> you are the lucky guy today. You've won the lottery. You are a match. You are a match for a patient somewhere around the world who needs you to donate your stem cells and save his life. Now, how do you think that feels? So we're definitely going to get into that. That that will feel you probably have a bunch of different emotions going through that when you when you get that call. Oh, um, yeah. I, I will tell you that my first experience with Azermitzion, I didn't know what it was. I was 17 years old. I was at a wedding in 2000. I want to say 2004, 2003, 2004. And the the Hassan and Kala get up on the microphone after the first dance and said, uh, we are now going to go downstairs to the lobby of this hall and we have partnered with Azer Mitzion and they have come and they are setting up uh, the registry right here. And they took the entire wedding downstairs. Um, oh my and, goodness. and they registered anybody that, that wanted to, I went and tried to register wow. and I was 17. So I was not able to, but, um, oh. that was, that was the, my first, uh, um, my first, you know, experience or even like may, being made aware of the, of Azer Mitzion. Um, Mike, so let's talk about what you brought up. The, uh, the, that call. So first of all, what percentage of the people, I don't know if you know this number that you call are automatically, yeah, let's do this. Do people renege on their decision? Is it, they, they, I'm sure they have a lot of questions because at the time it's just swabbing your cheek, sending it, sending it into an envelope, putting an envelope and sending it in the mail. But now that it's a real possibility that somebody needs me, is there hesitancy is there excitement what what actually does go through people's minds okay well you're asking me a very 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 good question i think that um Ezmitsio, number one i want to tell you and i think that this is a credit not to Ezmitsio, this is a credit to Klali israel our response rate is among the highest in the world of donor reneg i think we have less than two percent oh wow and you have to understand that donor reneg could also be because of an acquired health um situation it could be because of let's say um a woman is pregnant and she can't uh, at the time um gives donate stem cells whatever other extenuating circumstances there might be but generally the the thought of oh wow me i can save someone's life by giving uh um i can donate my my stem cells which is basically like um, an intravenous, like you get a needle in one arm, a needle in the other arm, your blood gets drawn out and you're lying on, a, on, a, on, a, on an armchair for three, four hours and your blood gets right back into your body. And you just, the stem cells that you donate regenerate within two weeks and you're, you know, you're just good as new. Hey, why wouldn't I do that? 
think about what it means to the guy on the other end. It's true. International protocol does not allow you to know who it is, but that's more like to prevent extortion or whatever. Also, for many people emotionally, if the patient doesn't do well, then that's very, very, very devastating. But, um, but that's what it is. You're not allowed to know who it is. So if you're going to say yes and go ahead and do it, that means you're a very altruistic person. That means you understand the value of saving a life in a relatively easy way. Right. It's inconvenient. It's a hassle. You might lose a day of work. You might have to give up time. You might have to, it might, it might in, entail some inconvenience for you. But what does it mean on the other end? It means giving a person the gift of life. Wow. So we had uh, previously on this on this podcast, we had renewal on and they it's much more uh, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a procedure to donate a kidney to donate an organ. This is much less. So first of all, you can do this at your local like hospital, local medical facility. You don't have to fly somewhere necessarily to donate. Is that correct? No. Right. Absolutely. You, can, you, you can don't do have to. You don't have to. But we right. do have people who come to Israel they opt to come and do it to give the, the donation over here, um, but you don't have to. And the recovery no. time is is much more simple. It's minimal. The, the the truth is that the recovery from the procedure itself is is like it's it's almost nothing. The before um, for four days before the donation, in order to promote the um, the stem cells to come out to the peripheral blood where it's collected from and not from the, what we call the bone marrow, the stem cells that are transplanted usually sit in the bone marrow in order to encourage it to come out to the peripheral blood so we can have a bigger amount of stem cells in the peripheral blood for four days ahead of the, um, of the donation, the donor gets certain injections. I think it's called lupagen. And that could give a, a fluey kind of feeling, maybe a little achy, a headache, um, tired, but that's okay. You know, it passes a few days after and mm. it's gone. All yeah. right, so let me, let me ask you this. Uh, you mentioned that you don't know who you're giving it to and the, and the recipient doesn't know who it came from. Can it happen 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the line that they end up meeting if the, both parties say, yeah, let's do this? Is that something? Well, that if happens? both parties are interested, it usually doesn't take 5, 10, or 15 oh, years. Okay. They usually, um, international protocol is, is a minimum of a year. And then it depends on, of course, privacy is such a huge major issue. Um, they have to get privacy released and it, it's a whole procedure. But after that, but it does once happen. both sides agree, yeah, absolutely. And okay. some of our most emotional um, moments are when the stem cell donor and recipient meet. It, it's, it's unbelievable. What do you say to someone who saved your life? Right, um, exactly. I don't know. So let me let me, yeah. let me go this way. Uh, somebody has a relative that is in need of a stem cell transplant. Will a relative donating their bone marrow, will the relative donating their stem cells, have any impact on their relative who needs it? Uh, be getting a getting a, getting a match, getting a, 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 a getting well. A, if they're a match, then then right. then they'll be the they'll be the one. Right. But um. But I think that everyone should just join anyone who fits the criteria. And it's very interesting that you're asking this because many, many times people who have been exposed, uh, a family member or a friend or someone they know needed a stem cell transplant, 
that will encourage a lot of people to say, oh, I will join. I want to join a registry because if, if you, if I could be the one to save someone's life, I want to be there for that. Right. I want to, I want to, I want to experience that thrill, that rush of adrenaline of that knowledge that I'm ready. I'm a good person. I'm here. I'm ready to do it. He me. I will give it. I will do it. I want to be there for somebody. And it doesn't matter that I don't know who it is. And I think that it's, it's some of, it's such a beautiful thing. And I know that donors have said, even if they've never met the person they donated to, that it's one of the most empowering uplifting, inspiring experiences of their life. Phenomenal. I, I do I do have a question because we, we are talking a lot about stem cells. Um, and when people hear that, there's always like morality issues that come up, halakhic issues that come up. What is uh, the response to people like saying, wait, is this actually a good thing to do? Is this actually allowed? Is this halakhically permissible? I, I don't know of any, um, of any halakhic... Um, issues with this. Um, I can tell you that by protocol, you are not allowed to, um, to join the registry because, because until you're 18, you, you're under your parents' jurisdiction. And if you would be found to be a match, and let's say your parents would want you to do it and you wouldn't want to do it, then you would be doing it because your parents, then that's a very, so we don't accept people under 18. We don't accept people over 45, be, even though they will stay on our registry till 60, but that's just because the transplant centers prefer younger donors because younger donors bring better outcomes. Of all the um, members in the registry from age 18 till 60, 75% of the transplants that we do every year are from donors that the transplant centers choose. This is their, their um authority, they do that. They make the choice because it's their responsibility. They will choose younger donors. Younger is better. So that's why we have people say, why well, I'm only 46, I'm young, I'm not old yet. No, 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 it's nothing to do with us, nothing personal, um, but that's the international protocol. Right, so so we're going back to, if you're asking um, what might be, um, is there any like limitations? Yeah, there's international protocol, and we—that's how we go. Halachically, I've never heard that there's any kind of a problem. All right, it's so not an organ. It's it's something that within two weeks it regenerates. It doesn't have any implications on the donor's health. Let's get into the numbers in Azer Mitzion. How many do you have? How many people do you currently have in the registry? I know you already mentioned. I was going to ask you how many countries. You already said. You already mentioned you're over forty countries. Um, right. Uh, let's go. How many are on the registries? How many lives have Azer Mitzion? Can, can Azer Mitzion take credit for helping save? Well, um, I really give the credit, not just to Azer Mitzion, but to our very, very, very dedicated donors. Azer Mitzion's, our stem cell donors. Azer Mitzion's registry is the fifth largest registry in the world, which in itself is a huge Kiddush Hashem, because if you look at it, Azer Mitzion um, is located in Israel, and Israel is a very, where we do most of our donor recruitment. Israel is a very tiny country. So um, we have a huge percentage of this age of this, the population of this in this age span who are members in Ezimitzion's registry. Right now we have 1,080,000 and counting as of June 1st, active members on our registry and live saved, we've saved as of June 1st and I'm hoping by July, July 1st we'll cross a big milestone. We are up to 3,988 oh, wow. patients. All right. Lives have, yeah, so and that at an average of about 
between 32, around 32 stem cell transplants a month. Next month, as a session, we will be over 4,000 transplants. Phenomenal. Uh, I do want to say something that's very, very important. Esimizion facilitates 67% of its transplants outside of Israel, meaning that when, when people say, oh, Esimizion, it's an organization far away, when, when, when you hear an appeal or somebody comes and says, please help save lives, when you come and you're supporting Esimizion, you could be very likely supporting an organization that will save the life of someone you care about, of someone that you love. Because more than two thirds of our trans, of the transplants that we're involved in are happening overseas and not in Israel. They're happening in America, they're happening in Canada, they're happening in the UK, they're happening in South America, they're happening all over, all over the world. So I know we mentioned a little bit of the of of the other areas where Azimitzion uh, does help, uh, I do have a a personal question, and I apologize to my audience because, uh, as as many people know who listen to this podcast, I have a daughter with an autoinflammatory issue. I know that you deal with autoimmune diseases as well. So what 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 particular? So this we've been talking a lot about bone marrow registry and and, and stem cells. Um, what are you doing in terms of the autoimmune patients that you deal with? Well, remember, our, our place in this chain of facilitating stem cell transplant is not determining anything about the patient. It's not determining anything about the condition. We have no say in the treatment protocol. That's the medical team that's in the transplant center that's responsible for the patient. But the fact remains that as a therapy protocol, stem cell transplants are being used for more and more autoimmune conditions. I know personally about two weeks ago, um, a boy celebrated his bar mitzvah. When he was eight months old, he was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease mm. and he, he had a very grim diagnosis. And they knew that if he will not find a matching donor, he has, has zero life expectancy in a very short time. And Baruch Hashem, he found a donor at Ezmitian's registry the donor's name is Ziv. And I remember when they met, the parents of this little boy who was already two years old when they met, over two, and they said, Ziv, Ziv is light. You have brought light into our lives. And the name of the patient is Avichai. And when Avichai, when Ziv got married, Avichai was right there at the wedding. He said, I already have a boy. He's not my little brother. He could be my son. It was this, he's, it's unbelievable. And that's they just had their bar mitzvah last week. So that's as far as autoimmune. We have a lot of kids with um, bubble syndrome. Is that what it's called? That the, yep. the children have no immune system and they have to be, it I'm be not, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and I think that it's cutting edge. You know, there's a lot of stem cell research being done of brain therapy and, and things like Parkinson's. So we don't know. We don't know where the next horizon is, but- Again, we are into the providing it, into facilitating it, um, and we're there for the patients today and now, and for the future. Please, God. When we have nonprofit and and tzedakah organizations on here, and we're talking about donors, we generally talk about a different type of donation. But obviously, the bulk of this conversation was talking about uh, you know donating parts of people's bodies. But what about the financial side of this? How can people? get involved and and uh, i'm assuming you guys run mostly on on donations uh, uh, both of the bone marrow variety and the dollar variety 
Okay, so as far as our total organizational budget, about 50% is from government um, allocation service provision, 50% is in-kind and, and cash donations. Um, now, with our budget of over an annual budget of over $100 million a year, do the quick math. Right. We have to raise a lot of money. Um, our registry, though, is is only about uh, $16.5 million a year. Only. Of which, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Of which about thirty percent is is donations, and um, and the more that we have, the more we're able to do, and that's that's the bottom line. So, so I do want to bring up that uh, here in America, you're having a golf outing coming up that people want to get involved. You want to talk a little bit about that? Right, sure. Our golf tournament on July twenty sixth at the Sea Wayne Club. It's a tradition of already 11 years running, except for Corona, which we would be 12 years old already, but Corona was, uh, we're not counting. Uh, we took a hiatus. And, um, and there's a dedicated, amazing um, team chairman and, and committee who are really, really, really dedicated to the cause of saving lives. They really believe in it. They believe in, in helping people everywhere. And I wanna tell you something phenomenal. From the money that's been raised at the golf tournaments, we have sponsored um, several thousand, the joining at the registry of several thousand new members. What does it mean sponsoring? That the golf tournament paid for their lab testing when they initially joined the registry, which is $50 each new member. Now, when you're talking about 57,000 new people a year, it, that's millions of dollars. Okay, right? You get yeah, it? And that's yeah. only the lab testing. I'm not talking about anything else. Um, so what we do is we've tagged these people that were funded by the golf tournaments, and we put them into a pool. This pool is called the Hole-in-One Donor Registry. And I'm very excited to share with you that we know of 88 patients who have been saved from members of the hole-in-one donor pool that whose joining the registry was sponsored by golf. So could you imagine this? You're playing golf, you sponsored a golf tournament and you're saving lives and it's documented. Well, that's what's happening. Wow. And I feel that the people who are involved in this are not just having a good time. It brings their golfing, it brings their involvement in sports into a whole totally different platform, a whole totally different level. Phenomenal. Where, where can people go to if they want to register for the uh, golf outing? www.ezermizion.org. And it's right there on the homepage. Terrific. Um, yeah. And, and even if you don't want to go, you could still sponsor. Uh, you could still provide You could sponsor. You could donate. You could take a part at Ezermizion, even if you're over 45 or under 18 and you want to be part of it, you, there's a place for you too. And on that website, you can also donate regular dollars, just like and any any. Well, for any anyone, sure. For any other one of our many services that are benefiting people, um, on a more local, maybe in a more local kind of a way, but people who are, who are either English speaking and live in Israel, or who have people that they love living in Israel and wanna sponsor right. and support and help a, a major chesed organization. We need you here with us. Do Thank you, have, you. Do you have any other uh, fund uh, fundraising mechanisms that you have and so you want to let us know about now? Well, we have our New York office and they have from time to time different events 
and different opportunities to get on board. One of them is we're going to be having a charity campaign at the end of the summer before Rosh Hashanah. People want to join then, you're more than welcome. And then we have our, our annual Chinese auction and then local events we've had in, in Englewood, we've had in Teaneck, we had in Los Angeles, and, um, and it keeps going. Yeah, different communities who want to get on board. We have community donor pools, and they've also, we let them know the nicest day of the month for me every month is when I have the job of reporting to donor pool sponsors, you've saved a life. There's nothing like it. By, by There's the way, nothing I feel like bad it. because we spoke about, you know, the registry and we spoke about what it takes with the spouse, but I didn't ask you if, let's say I'm a, I'm a 20 year old person that wants to get on the registry, where, where do I go? How do I order that, that kit? Contact our New York office. Okay. And, and org. All right. Terrific. Um, and obviously you can learn more uh, on the website, which we've already mentioned a couple of times and right. we'll in the show notes. Right. Are you on social, right. uh, is your organization on social media anywhere? Right, right, right. There's a Facebook page. Sure. Sure. Okay. Look, check and us we'll out. Link, and I, and I, have, I, I looked at there, but there is a Twitter account and an Instagram account, but I don't think it's Twitter, Instagram. As, right. I think the big point is Facebook. I think that's where you have the most followers. Right. Um, right. And is the most right. constantly updated. Um, right. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to let us know before we let you go? That Clally Stroll is one body and we're all together in this. And that I feel that, that it's an amazing, amazing privilege to be able to help people, Jewish people and humanity everywhere, all around the world. Phenomenal. Hadassah, thank you so much for joining me this week. I know that it's probably right now it's 10 o'clock. It's almost 11 o'clock in the morning here in America, but it's getting late over there in Israel. So I thank you so much for staying in your office. It looks like from what I'm looking at this late. Very, very appreciative. It's fine. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. Waiting to share good news from everyone everywhere. Take care. Absolutely. All the best. My thanks to Hadassah Samosi for joining me this week to discuss the good work done by Ezer Mitzion, of which we merely scratched the surface, because there is just so much more that we could talk about. If you're interested in donating or attending this summer's golf outing, check the show notes for a link to their page. If you're interested in learning about another organization who deals with transplants, you can check out episode 46, How to Save a Life, with Rabbi Josh Sturm of Renewal. And if you're interested in learning about raising children with genetic and chronic conditions, you can check out episode 21, where, among other things, you can learn a little bit more about my family. Until next time, Koto. The Jewish Living Podcast is produced by Srelly Pikus. Our theme song is The Band by A.B. Rottenberg. Follow us on Facebook at The Jewish Living Podcast and on Twitter and Instagram at Jewish underscore living. You can also email the show at jewishlivingpodcast at gmail.com. The Jewish Living Podcast is recorded in conjunction with the Queen's Jewish Link.